Well, it's pretty amazing what a change in your even physical appearance does to your mood. And uh, we have been talking over the last several weeks about being filled with joy, joy overflowing, a joy that sustains us, a joy that is not based on the circumstances that are going on around us. And today we're concluding that that study and we've been going through the book of Philippians and we're in Philippians chapter four today. And we're going to read that in just a moment. Um, but what we've what we've looked at throughout the last several weeks is that that true joy is something that that can overcome suffering, even difficult circumstances, pain, those types of things where we're really dealing with bad, bad circumstances, where Paul's writing this letter in prison saying, you can still have joy, even though you're going through suffering. Uh, we also talked about how joy is uh, something that kind of get, can get stolen or taken away by grumbling and kind of by complaining and, and by by kind of some of those words sometimes that we speak. And we believe that, you know, joy can overcome that attitude of grumbling. And last week we talked about joy over loss, even going through difficulty, even facing a really difficult loss, we still can have peace knowing that God has a plan that is beyond this life. And so in Philippians chapter four, Paul finishes up his letter that really could be called the letter of joy. And um, he says these words in verse four of Philippians four. It says this, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret to being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all of this through him who gives me strength. So, so we have these final kind of thoughts and words from Paul. And, and again, like I have every week, I encourage you to read the entire chapter. Um, and you can read through the entire book of Philippians, actually, um, in, you know, about a 10 minute, 15 minute setting. So I encourage you to, to, to follow along and see kind of the whole scope of what he's saying. But he concludes here by kind of summing up and he kind of, kind of emphasizes over and over and says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, 
rejoice. And you can almost hear kind of the sentiment that he's saying. He's like, okay, not sometimes, not, not like when everything is going well and you're dealing with no suffering, not when you like, like feel like things are, are, are going wrong, not, not like just when you're, you're, you're dealing with good circumstances, but rejoice in the Lord always. I heard the quote, and I don't uh, remember exactly who it was for, but from. But they said, you know, if you want to be happy for an hour, go go eat a steak, go have a steak dinner. If you want to be happy for a day, go golfing. But if you want to be happy for your life, is what we're talking about. We're talking about more than circumstantial things that kind of make us happy. Actually, when I go golfing, I'm not happy for the day because I normally don't play well. You know, once out of every 10 rounds, it makes me happy because I maybe hit a couple of good shots. But, but, uh, the point is, is it's not about these things that are going on around us. And that's really what Paul has revealed to us throughout all of these chapters in the book of Philippians is that contentment that overwhelms any circumstance that's going on. It's rejoicing in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice, rejoice. And so um, particularly today, he talks about anxiety. And it's one of those things that I think is the easiest way to kind of lose the joyful feeling that we may have is the anxiety. You know, we're in the holiday season and uh, the holiday season can be a season of joy, right? Lots of nostalgia, gifts, events, fun, you know, all these fun things. Yeah, we got our nice little candle that we lit today. We're going to have a candlelight service. It's fun getting out the decorations, doing all that stuff. Guess what can also be accompanied with the season is anxiety right? Am I right about that? Is it anxiety over, okay, relatives are coming in. Is everything going to be ready? Anxiety about giving or receiving gifts or those types of things. Anxiety about the stress and busyness of the schedule and all of this stuff. And it's really interesting that he says right here, kind of in his concluding words, that he's like, you know what? Rejoice in the Lord always. We've been talking about this for the entire chapter. Rejoice over suffering, over grumbling, over loss. But, but you know what? One last thing is don't be anxious. Don't do that. Don't have anxiety steal away what God intends in your life. I mean, anxiety is those things that just ruins what was intended to be good, right? I mean, a holiday or celebration or these fun things that it should elicit joy, right? It should be joyful. That's the point of all of it. And sometimes it makes us anxious. It's interesting in our world that, you know, I was, uh, I went uh, good or not Good Friday. I said Good Friday. Black Friday <laughs> shop. Uh, there is a difference between the two. Um, Black Friday shopping uh, the other day for the first time in many years. We typically go out to the middle of nowhere for Thanksgiving out into my uh, my grandparents' uh, house, which is like a town of 50 people. And there's no Black Friday shopping going on in that town. And it's kind of nice. It's it's uh, low anxiety. Thanksgiving celebration. However, with blizzards coming both here and there, we canceled our trip and we stayed here and we're like, well, what are we going to do on Friday? Well, I guess we'll participate in um, the, the unofficial national holiday of Black Friday. So we went, we went to, 
you know, Black Friday shopping and it wasn't so bad. It was, it was definitely busy. The lines were super long. I, you know what? I, I don't think I really bought anything. I just kind of looked at everything and thought, okay, what can I, maybe I could buy that online later. But, uh, I know that's bad. That's bad for the retailers, but, um, but the lines were like super, super long and all this stuff. So I was just kind of walking around and looking at stuff and just kind of relaxing and having kind of a slow paced day. And, um, I saw something that is commonplace now in our culture, right? It was, you know, this little tiny little anxiety dog, you know, walking into Barnes and Noble. And I'm like, you know what? A couple of years, you don't see very much of that, you know, but we have a lot more of that these days. And, and, you know, I understand and I really want to recognize and I don't want to, I don't want to gloss over this, but it's not really our topic. There is legitimate uh, mental illness and, and suffering that people need uh, help with a doctor and help with um, a counselor. And that is very legitimate. And I'm not minimizing that, but it's just something you see in our culture now a lot more, right? See the kind of anxiety and all this kind of stuff going on. And, uh, you know, I saw the, uh, uh, anxiety dog for what I could uh, determine. And then uh, a little bit later, uh, I was kind of walking around and just looking at books and stuff. And I heard two dogs barking and almost like getting in a fight with one another. It was an anxiety dog fighting another anxiety dog. And I was like, what in the world are we doing? We got anxious dogs fighting each other with anxious people. And we're uh, projecting our anxiousness on these dogs and they're fighting one another in an anxious, um, uh, holiday, uh, Black Friday day. So yeah, yeah, this is, this is where we're at now. And I, I think that we're so stressed and so anxious that we're, uh, stressing out our emotional anxiety dogs, right? We're, uh, so anxious that our emotional anxiety dogs need an emotional anxiety dog, uh, to be able to cope with their life. And that seems to be the trend in where we're going right now is a lot of anxiety and a lot of stress. And there's a lot of things in life that should bring us peace and should bring us joy and should be fun. And they aren't. And I have to be perfectly honest with you. I definitely fall into the category. If I was to look at all of these things that Paul taught us, joy over suffering, grumbling and loss, those are easier for me than anxiety. Anxiety is harder for me. Anxiety is one that is d- difficult for me, and maybe it's different for you, but, but it's one of those things where it's like, it just feels like I want everything to be right. I want everything to be in place. I want to have everything kind of under control, and there's all these things that are swirling around and undone things, and there's a list of things that I have going on, and I don't have it all figured out, and this anxiety raises it up and really sucks away what should be a joyous thing, Right? It happens sometimes on Sunday morning, to be perfectly honest with you. Not with you, thankfully, hopefully, but it happens to me. It's like, all right, we got the words up on the screen. Do we got the donuts out? Do we got the kids stuff ready? Do we got, uh, all right, musicians, are we ready? Do we got the coffee good? Uh, you know, all this stuff. And it's, there's moments in time where we're gathered here. You realize we're, we're here to bring peace to one another, right? We know that. But isn't it silly how sometimes like those things kind of get in the way? Isn't it silly how these are the things that kind of kind of can change the way that we look at things and still away what should be a place of thanksgiving and joy. And there is a unique and interesting 
juxtaposition that we always see this time of year with the joyous holidays of Thanksgiving and Christmas that are like themed around this idea of joy and happiness and all of this stuff. And we know that there's, they're extremely stressful, extremely brings us some anxiety. And so particularly here, Paul leans in and he says, don't be anxious about anything. I think that that's a little bit unrealistic in my, in my, in my life. But he says, don't be anxious about anything and rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I'm going to say it again, rejoice. Do not be anxious about anything. And then he gives us some answers on how to deal with that. And he says, in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I got, hang on. Yeah, I got anxiety. I thought there was a beeping going on in the background. It's causing me anxiety and distraction as I'm sitting here preaching. Oh, my goodness. All right. Anyways, let's get back to the point. Um, uh, so he talks about specifically he, the, the, the remedy, the point of it, the, the solution to the anxiety is going to God in prayer. And this has been kind of the theme. Of course, the whole, whole book has been talking about joyfulness and talking about rejoicing. But uh, over and over, the point that he's been driving home is if you go to God, if you present these things to God, then you will not uh, have like all of these other things. Joy should come as a result of having a firm foundation in knowing that God is there. I think about it in some ways kind of like um, a, ge- uh, a proof in geography, not geography, geometry, a proof in geometry. Um, I'm struggling with my words today. Uh, anybody take geometry? You remember geometry? I remember in ninth grade, I took geometry and I liked math up until eighth grade. And then in ninth grade, it was like, what are we doing? We're writing sentences and we're writing all these things to prove our point. Can I just write the answer down? And so how it works in geometry is like this. You go, well, because a 90 degree angle, um, a squared plus B squared. And you write out, like you write out your reasoning. You say like, because of a, because of this, because of this, my answer is this. And you write out a proof. Anybody do that? Anybody remember that years ago? I hated it. I hated it, but it was, it was kind of like laying out because of this, because of this, because of this, we have this answer and it's proof. It's proof of what's taking place. And if this is true, and this is true, and this is true, it's proof. And my answer is right. And and you're proving your point. It's almost, it's almost kind of like a debate you're making, like with math a little bit. And you're saying this is this, this, and this. Well, I want to give you a little uh, proof that the scripture has given us here throughout. And this is kind of how the whole book has gone. And this is what Paul's thinking has been to us and in, in, in how we should be joyful. Is he says, kind of like, like point number one is this. Is that God is in control, okay? God is God. God is in control. God is the master of the universe. All things are in his hands. God is in control, point one. Point two, God is good. God is good. God, God has all uh, good intentions in mind. Point three, 
God is on your side if you put your trust in God. God is wanting good things in your life. And so, four is, the conclusion is, rejoice. And this is kind of what we see throughout the whole book, is he's making point, point, point. In the end, you should rejoice. You should rejoice as a result of knowing these things. God is in control. God is good. God is on your side. In the end, we should rejoice. And it's something that is, that is, that is this, this big concept throughout Scripture that is hard for us to emotionally just embrace. But the reality is there's lots of things that we have to get, we have to, we have to realize it's God's problem, not my problem. And that's, that's consistently what we're seeing throughout the book of Philippians is there's certain things that is not your problem. Okay. And this is, this is where anxiety kind of raises up. Anxiety kind of emerges when we, you know, start watching local news, right? When we start watching things that are going on globally, when we watch all these kind of things going on and there is a definite, uh, there's a definite reason why our world is high anxiety. We know about lots of bad things that are going on in the world. And, but, there's, but there's things that we have to realize. And what Paul tells us is there's things that you have to give away to God completely. There are things that you have to just say, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my trust in you in that. I, I'm setting that aside. This is really hard. And we've gone through some of these things like the suffering and the loss. And some of these things are really difficult. And it's really, really, really hard for someone like me that wants to be in control of things to say, I have to set aside the fact that I am not in control of, of like things like my health. There's things I can do. But also in the end, like there's some things I can't do. Okay, so I can eat well, I can exercise, I can do that, but there's some things I can't do anything about. And that's kind of, you know, something, something we have to come to grips with. There, there, there's nothing I can do about like ultimate loss or death that is imminent, <laughs> that is coming in my life and other and everyone else's at some point in time. There's nothing I can do about that. That is going to happen. And there's times where I have to just say, I'm going to set that aside and say, God, I can't do anything ultimately about that. I present my anxiety to you and I give it to you. And, and I think this is a really healthy practice is to just say, this is what I'm stressed out about and pray about that. This is what is causing me anxiety. And many of those things you will find are things that you can't do much about. Many of those things are things that are beyond your control. And the only place that you can really come to find peace is to go to God in prayer. Because it's, it really is only things that are under God's control. And so he says, present your requests with God. Don't be anxious in Instead, if you have these things that are emerging and bubbling up and stressing you out and like overwhelming, then stop and say, God, I'm giving you those things. I'm going to give you those and I'm going to trust you with those. You know, isn't it, isn't it a wonderful thing that God can handle that? Isn't it wonderful that God is not like overwhelmed by that? 
You know, when I watch news and look at the things that are going on all around the world, I'm a little overwhelmed. Guess what? God is not overwhelmed. God is not. And, 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 and for me, sometimes maybe I wish that, that, like, I'm like, God, you should be overwhelmed with that. No, calm down. God is not overwhelmed. God is not, like, God is not out of control. Things in this world to God are not beyond God. God's ability and God's strength. And sometimes we think because we're limited and we can't control those things that it's out of control for God. It's not true, right? It's not out of control for God. Nothing is out of control for God. And so we, the thing we do is instead of being anxious about things that are only God's problem or, or things that only God can handle or deal with, just give them up and just say, God, I Man, I really wish that there was peace in this circumstance that I can't do anything about. But God, I'm going to have to give that one to you because I can't. I can't do anything about it. But I'm going to thank, be thankful and joyful and, and present those things to you. I'm going to be thankful. And really, we should be very, very thankful that this world is a place where God is in control. And then we have to also realize God is good. God ultimately, in the end, this is going to a good end. God has a plan for it. Ultimately, in the end, God will put a stop to sin and death. God will put a stop to fighting. God will put a stop to war. God will put a stop to all of the the mess that we see around us. And we have to believe that God is in control. We have to believe that God is good. And we have to believe that God is on our side. That God wants good things for us. That God wants us to be people of peace. That God wants us to have a life that is living life to the full. In the end, ultimately, when we look at this, but it's, it, and you see it kind of like laid out like that and how Paul has laid it out all throughout the book. When you see it laid out, God is in control. God is good. God is on my side. There's nothing left to do but to rejoice. And that's what he's saying. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in who God is. Rejoice in all of it. And again, I say rejoice. Don't be anxious. Don't do that. Instead, thank God and give it all to God in thanksgiving. So if something is beyond your control. You need to pause and you need to say, God, oh, what a terrible situation that is going on. But I thank you that you're under control and you are good. And so in this moment, I'm still joyful. And I present that, that request to you with thanksgiving in my heart. And again, I will say rejoice. And I think Paul repeats this over and over and maybe gives us this book that kind of says the same thing over and over and over because it's a hard thing that we have to remind ourselves of often. It's kind of one of those daily practices that we have to remind ourselves about. It's one of those things that is going to have to be like the ongoing struggle that is in our life that we're going to have to continually go back and say, I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to rejoice. And I'm going to present my anxiety and my stress to God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it to God and I'm going to rejoice. And again, if, I, if I'm struggling with it, again I say I'm going to rejoice. And we have to do that over and over. Because God desperately needs us to be people that are filled with joy to represent that to the world.
desperately needs it. So it continues to give us more advice and help as it says, I rejoice, um, where it says, um, think about these things, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about those things. And you know what? If you've heard anything that I've said to you throughout this book or seen it in me, put it, put it into practice. Do what I've been doing. Find joy over suffering, grumbling, loss, anxiety. Put those things into practice. Pray to God. And then the God of peace will be with you. We really do need to control our thoughts. And, and he's saying that, that like our thoughts are a really important key point of all of this. And kind of what we believe. And, and these thoughts, God is in control, God is good, God is on my side, should be the thoughts that are regularly a part of our life. These are foundational thoughts, foundational thought patterns that should kind of like be those ones that like guide us and lead us. You know, I, I don't think it's an accident or um, a, a mistake that he points to how people think, particularly in, in the idea of joy. Because what we've, what we've come to understand, I believe, in mental health is that mental health really starts with how you think really starts about how you think about things, how you think about your world, how you think about yourself, how you think about others, how you think about kind of all of the things that are going on in all of our circumstance. And he says, think about the things that are true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, or praiseworthy. Think about those things. So the question is, if you're somebody that, is, that struggles with the idea of rejoicing, with joyfulness, and sometimes maybe get overwhelmed with anxiety, the first thing is to think about your thoughts. What do you think about? I remember when I was a kid, I had nightmares. And I used to have nightmares, and I'd knock on my, my dad's door and say, Dad, I'm having a nightmare. And, and here's what my dad would do. He would say, all right, tomorrow morning at breakfast, here's what I want you to do. I want you to tell me, tell me what your uh, starting five would be for the ultimate best basketball team in the history of the world or something like that. Or, or he'd say, all right, tomorrow morning, I want you to tell me like what, like what would your, what would, what kind of car you would buy if you were a millionaire? Something like, he would give me an assignment. And he would give me an assignment and he said, go back to bed, think about it, don't bother me anymore, but go back to bed and think about it and tomorrow morning report back to me what you thought about. And I would go and I would fall asleep immediately. And it was just kind of a little trick. It was a nice little trick that my dad played on me and I passed that on to my, my kids when they have nightmares or something like that. I give them a little assignment. I'm like, go son and tell me uh, what the next Harry Potter book would be like, you know, or something like that. And, and when you really, when you change kind of those thought patterns, all of a sudden, you know, the nightmares went away and I went to sleep. Um, how is our thought life? It's really an important thing that we need to ask ourselves as a part of our spiritual uh, relationship and our health, our mental health and our joy. Is saying, what do we think about? What are we consumed with? What is it that is mulling through our mind all the time? You know, it, it, if it's always thinking about like kind of how am I going to pay this bill and this bill and how is this? And when I, when I get to this age, how much money am I going to have left? Am I going to have this? And am I going to count this and that and this? Like it's showing you kind of what's really important to you, right? It's showing you what's obsessing you. And 
that, that may lead you to anxiety. If you're focused on all of these other things and focused on them so much that they control your thoughts, it is no doubt that inevitably the end outcome will, will not be joy but anxiety. If your thoughts are on God, the ultimate end will be joyfulness. And so the remedy is more prayer. The remedy is more contemplation on the things of God. The remedy is more reading the scripture. The remedy is more of these good things. The remedy is more praising God and coming together and singing these songs of praise. The remedy is more of the good. Really, what he's talking about is let the good overwhelm the bad. Let the good push out the bad. Let at the core of who you are, it be filled with the good things of life. You know, like there are times and it is appropriate for us in these settings to talk about evil. It is appropriate for us to talk about the, the, the reality that there is evil in this world and evil forces that come against. And there is, there is uh, like, there are those things. But let me be clear. What I try to focus on and pray about and preach about more than focusing on evil is I try to focus on good. Because when you focus on good and you know good really well, evil fades away and it becomes small and it becomes like it becomes insignificant and it becomes something that like is not something that controls your life. Evil has power when we give it power. Really does. Evil has power when like it makes us anxious about everything that might happen or could happen or all these things all around us. But instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't be, don't be controlled by evil. Instead, be filled with what is good. Be overwhelmed and filled with the goodness of God. Every day, contemplate the goodness that is going on in and around you. And if you're, if you're not quite there, pray about it more and more and trust that ultimately God is in control. God is good and God is on my side. And this, this is what is true about this world. When you focus on things that are untrue, like this world is hopeless, that's an anxious place to be, right? When you focus on things that are not noble, things that are like, things that are uh, negative, it's, it's going to bring anxiety. When you think about things that aren't right, when you think about things that aren't pure, that aren't lovely, that aren't admirable, those are the things that are going to consume our lives and it's going to be an anxious world. But this is not the call for us. And God is giving us this path and Paul is giving us this path to say, I figured out contentment because I focus on God and I focus on what God is doing in my life and through my life. And so no matter what else is going on, I focus on that. And it's interesting, this is one of those kind of verses that we've seen regularly over and over. You may see it on Facebook, on calendars, all kinds of things. Is I can do all of this through him who gives me strength. Well, you see what precedes it. You see the words that precede it. I can be a person of joy is really what it's talking about. I can be a person of joy through God who gives me this strength. I'm trusting and praying about good things. I know what God is doing, that God is in control. And so I can be a person of joy 
as a result of this. You can uh, do all things. You can have uh, contentment in life. You can learn to be content no matter what the circumstance. So don't minimize the power of joyfulness. It's really one of those things that it's kind of like one of those things that is like one of those last pictures of some, a lot of other good things going on. So what I, say, what I mean by that is this, is that if you're living a life that is close to God and relying on God and trusting in God and trusting in the things that are right, the inevitable outcome will be joyfulness. That will be, uh, like, that will be what is the end result of what's going on. And so if it's something in your life that you're struggling with, if you're saying, I'm not a person of joy, instead of more a person of anxiety, it's probably lots of steps that led up to that. It's probably lots of years of thinking thoughts that were, that were not great. It's probably lots of years of trying to take things under control that you had no control over. It's probably lots of years or time of like, of like just kind of being anxious and not going to God in prayer in those moments. But on the flip side, the daily reliance and saying, God, I put my trust in you and I'm going to you in prayer. God, I'm going to think about the things that are right. God, I'm going to understand what is true, what is noble, what is admirable. The long-term outcome of that is a joyful life. And so the question we really have to ask is, is my life built on something that is producing joy? Don't minimize joy. Don't minimize the impact of joy. Don't minimize how powerful that is. As we go into the Christmas season, we'll be singing songs that just are filled with the words joy. Joy to the world, right? Joy to the world, the Lord has come. We'll be singing like all of kind of these these ideas of joy, happiness, all of this that, that, that goes before us understanding that God came to earth and God is with us. Joy. Let's proclaim it to the world that this life can be a life of joy because God is with us. So I want to take a moment and to pray and to reflect on this whole kind of book. And I want you to ask yourself, what kind of thoughts have you been thinking? What kind of joy is in your life? And if it's something that you're struggling with, we're going to take a moment right now to go to God in prayer. Will you pray with me? God, there are so many times that I am anxious. There's times where there's things that are beyond my control, and so I get stressed out, and I get worried, and, and joy fades away. God, I'm very thankful for this book. It's been a great encouragement to me as, as we see the journey that Paul went through, how he figured out how to be content no matter what was going on in his life. God, sometimes this time of year or sometimes just generally in life, it's anxiety that creeps up that takes away joy. So God, forgive us. Right now in this place, what we're going to do is we, God, will just state kind of those own things that are making us anxious. We're going to give those things to you right now. So God, hear our prayers. 
I invite you to offer your own prayers to God. Specifically, pray for the things that are making you anxious. If it's the busy schedule, if it's something going on in a relationship, if it's something going on even globally around the world, whatever it may be, whatever is making you anxious at this time right now, go to God and say, God, this is making me anxious. God, I give it over to you. And believe that the God of peace will guard your hearts and your minds. Believe that the God of peace, which transcends all understanding, will come to you. And that you can have peace. And that you can have all of these things through God who gives you strength. So right now I invite you to give your anxious thoughts over to God. And pray those right now.